<laughs> that, that was a good, good answer. Good morning, church. Good morning, church family. Bless the Lord of my soul. We're going to sing that song this morning. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord, oh my soul. I want, I want to be honest with y'all this morning. I just want to be transparent, be real with you. Is that okay? <clears throat> This morning I felt about as righteous as a rattlesnake. Just about everything that could irritate the fire out of me happened. It's from the time I woke up to the time I got to the class this morning to teach Sunday school. And as I listened to this song they're gonna open with this morning, I was so lost in thought, so frustrated, I could hardly even hear the words. I kept getting distracted in my own mess my own frustrations and I was like you know I wonder if there will be somebody there this morning that hears this song and goes I don't have 10,000 reasons I, I, I don't know that I have a reason to bless the Lord oh my soul well let me encourage you believer we have a reason if you don't think of anything else if you can't think of any other reason to bless the Lord remember what he's brought you from remember what he's brought you through Remember what, where he is taking you and bless the Lord. In Psalms 66, the psalmist remembers some of those victories. In verse 1, he says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing to glory of his name. Give to him grace, glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name, Salah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. This is Israel remembering what God has brought them through. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice him. How many of you know it's so much easier to rejoice when we're on the mountaintop than in the valley? But nevertheless, when we're in the valley, he is there and he holds us. And we are to bless the Lord. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we did rejoice him. Who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Salah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our song among the living and has not let our feet slip. And listen to this next part. This is hard. For you, O oh God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But God. That's not the end of the sentence. There's a semicolon there, and it says, Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. Have faith in God that he is going to carry you through every trial you face. Bless the Lord, even when you don't feel like it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
I encourage you to lean into this this morning and bless the Lord, even if you don't feel like it. Shake off those heavy bands and lift up those holy hands. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Father, we give this time to you this morning, Lord. We come in submission to you, Father, and we just pray that your name is exalted, glorified, and elevated in this place, Father. For those of us that are hurting, those of us in the valley, remind us, Father, of your goodness, your faithfulness, and how you have kept us, Father. Renew in us a strength and a joy that we may stand on your firm promises and bless the Lord, oh, our soul. We love you, Father. Amen.
God is within me. Bless his holy name.
are people, you know, life's difficult. When it's good, it's difficult. So we, we all got that. But you need him today. From physical to emotional to spiritual to financial to babies that are wayward to, you know. I just believe there's going to be a stirring of supernatural enablement, a disbursement of God's mercy and grace today. So as we sing this song again, Lord, I need thee. I want you to come meet by yourself with your Savior here at this altar. I want you to come. to all of us but especially those that walk to an altar to meet with the Lord this morning the Bible said that the righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles many are the afflictions of righteous people but the Lord delivers them out of them all Call on me and I'll answer you, says the Lord, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. I'm calling on the Lord. The strength for you today in Jesus. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Divine help personal help, sufficient help, accurate help, supernatural help, abundant help.
those in the altar, would you look this way just one moment before we close this part of service? Understanding that the devil is incredibly powerful but has no power in the life of the believer. Incredibly powerful. Incredible opposition, but for the spirit-filled believer, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. I gotta be able to trick you that God's not watching, or God's not in control, or God doesn't care, or God won't win. And one of the tricks he uses in my life is for whatever reason, I feel like if God's working, then my life should be easier. It should be working. If God's working, then my life should be working. No. We want, we want the suffering. We know we experience suffering. But if God's working, then I wouldn't suffer. And God doesn't fix the externals. He fixes the internals. And then that works its way out. How else, can, how else can we know what the lily of the valley smells like unless we live in a valley? How else can we know what praising in darkness looks like? You know, we say Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises at midnight in a prison till you're immobile and can't move and the lights are out. You're not alone. And don't, don't judge God's care by a, a present, immediate feeling. Bible says this, follow the life of the righteous man, at the end he's blessed. He's blessed. God's with you. God loves you. God has you. Blessed, you know, what did, what did the, the writer say? Uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And naked I came in the world, naked I'm going to go out. He didn't promise me comfort. He promised me eternal life. <laughs> Now, have we not enjoyed comforts? Absolutely. Have we not had pleasures? Yes. Mountains, valleys. Penthouse, poorhouse. Sickness, health. Rich for poor. But this is not our home. Baby, this is the dress rehearsal. This ain't, this ain't the show. Lord, times like today, it's in a matter of just getting a quick fix. We just need to know you with us and you're here. And you got us, and your strength is available to us, and your promises will not fail us underneath it all. Lord, I don't know who this is for, but this verse, underneath it all are his everlasting arms. Whatever all is, under that is the arms of God. And he said, even to your old age, I am he, God says. And even to your old age will I carry you. To gray hairs will I carry you. I've made you and I will bear you. Even will I carry and deliver you. That's who you are, Lord. Gracious, kind, good, faithful. We just needed you today. We just needed to bow before you and feel your hand on our shoulder and feel your breath on our neck. We just, we need you, Lord. We're unashamed. May this church be unashamed of their desperate need for the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, corporately, individually. Let today honor you, God, in all things and in all ways. Let Jesus be the origin of everything we do. May he be the sustaining force and the culmination of where we're going. And may Christ receive glory in this church service this day. And we pray it in God's name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Go back to your seat.
Air high fives to those of you that are your neighbors. Bless them this morning. like so quiet. Good morning, guys. My name is Kelly, and um, on behalf of my husband, John, and the rest of our staff here, I want to say good morning and welcome to you guys, especially if you're a first-time visitor with us today. I wanted to let you know how glad we are that you're here with us. Um, if our greeters happen to miss you, I know that they have been praying and planning all week for your visit, but um, if they happen to not catch you as you're coming in the door, please do me a huge favor and stop by the greeters table in the foyer on your way out. We just like to put a gift in your hand, um, like to know that you're here, if there's anything that we can do for you or ways that we can serve you and your family. Um, we have lots of things that are available for not only adult ministries on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, but we've also got a fantastic um, children's ministry and uh, student ministries, you know, for your teenagers. Um, we don't call them youth or anything anymore. They're student ministries, you know, because they're very grown. So anyway, but we've got lots of things like that for your, for your kids, and um, I hope that you will feel at home here. Um, we are just regular people who love Jesus wholeheartedly. And I just hope that you get a sense of that as you're here today. Um, we are very imperfect, but we serve a perfect God. And so um, I hope that you feel like you belong in that set too. So, um, but if we did miss you, please stop by the greeting table. Um, we'd love to contact you in any way that is comfortable for you, whether it's like, I just prefer an email or a wave from a, a distance away, or if you'd like one of our, um, our board uh, to come visit you and one of our staff members. We just want to accommodate you in whichever way you prefer. So I'm going to go ahead and ask them to play our announcement video and then we're going to go ahead and have our time of author offering. Good morning, Christ Chapel. We have a few things to share with you this morning. Our Impact Stars class is doing a service project to help facilitate and send items for hurricane victims through Convoy of Hope. They're sending hygiene kits, so we need your toothbrushes, toothpaste. Pick them up at the store while you're there. Drop them in the box. We're doing it the entire month of October. It is that time of the year again. We are selling poinsettias in honor of or in memory of a loved one. You can pick up the sheet at any of the information tables. You can also turn it in. They're $10 a piece and they'll be available to pick those up on the, at the 1st of December. Turn it into the information table upstairs and they can answer any other questions that you might have. Calling all Christ Chapel men. You don't want to miss the upcoming men's retreat, which is next weekend, the 29th and 30th of October. Make sure contact the men's ministry department and get more information today. You can also sign up directly online. We always want you to stay connected. You can get this information and much more on our CC app through your telephone or device. You can also check us out online at ChristChapelMacon.com or on Facebook and Instagram at ChristChapelMacon. Have an awesome day today. Just want to remind you guys, um, of course, we need to know that you're coming, but if you haven't considered this, because of the timing of the men's retreat, there just might be a chance that you might have to miss out on some of all those like fall festivals and like trick-or-treat events if you go to the men's thing. So don't know if y'all have thought about that as dads, 
but that's something to consider. So anyway, I know I'm exhausted by fall, all the fall, celebrating a fall by the time that we're done. I'm just tired. <laughs> so anyway, guys, make sure that you let them know if you're going to be coming to the men's retreat. Um, we're going to go ahead and have our time of offering. So if you will, um, uh, as they play, um, we just have our baskets here up front. Just take a moment to uh, pray together as a family before you give, because this is a time of worship. So, And then Pastor John will come and pray.
Once more with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. Brooke and worship team, thank you so much. So anointed, so rich. I just, I know it sounds cliche, but I just love our local body of believers. I love the time we get to spend together whether it's in Bible study on Wednesdays or Sunday mornings or Sunday nights. Um, of all the places the Lord could have put us to share life, it was with one another. And I'm, I'm grateful for that today. Oh, very quickly before I read this verse, thank you for your expression <clears throat> to my wife and my, my babies uh, every year around September, they go, Daddy, when's Pastor Appreciation Day? When, when's that? When's that coming? They love them some Pastor Appreciation. And oh my goodness, we didn't get to the car, and my car sounded like a Jiffy Pop popcorn maker. And, you know, one of my babies said the other day, Daddy doesn't like chaos. I said, No, I don't like it. So, whoever got all the poppets, you're their friend, and my uh, friend. We went right to Five Below same day, and they got all their prizes. And I, I just want to thank you for... Um, I, I wonder if new people to our church believe me when I say these kind of things. I just love pastoring here. 27 years, I, I just love it. It's easy to love a place when you're so loved by the place. So thank you very much. Matthew 24, verse 37 but as in the days of Noah, as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. Kelly, will you hand me that other notebook that has my sermon in it? That'd be great. <laughs> hey, ain't no, sense in, ain't no sense in hiding or lying. I went, what? 
I glanced down at it. I was like, Jesus paid it all. I don't know where it was. All right. Turn to Genesis chapter 6 as well. That verse was part of it. I didn't just read it. Just to read it. That, that was part of it. Genesis chapter 6. That's what I get for leaving last week's folder in here. Brooke even told me it was in here. Wade should have took it upstairs, but he did. <laughs> Are you there? Genesis chapter 6. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord responded and said, My spirit will not strive with man, for he also is flesh. Also is flesh. Not just he is flesh, but he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which are old, men of renown. Men were of old means everlasting. And men of renown, uh, superhuman, if you will, superhuman testimony. Uh, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, grieving his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This morning, by God's grace, I want to continue and hopefully finish today, uh, paralleling the days of Noah with the days that we're in today. But today is going to be kind of eye-opening, one tilt-ahead type thing. I'm going to present to you some things you may have not considered, uh, may not have heard, and, and might find very difficult to listen to. I, too, find it difficult to, to look at, but I want us to reason the Scriptures and look for the sign the signs, as the days of Noah, so also shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. There was a supernatural, angelic, demonic intermingling that happened during that period. And it's happening today, creating giants of darkness, giants of deception, giants of perversion, giants of lawlessness and vileness and insanity. Insanity disguised as sanity. One of the signs is the devil's activity in the lives of men in supernatural ways. And so would you just pray for me that I'll have clarity this morning and uh, that we will get the message and that we'll be more keenly aware of the hour in which we live and the promise of the blessed hope for the believer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that's mine. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would allow me to say the things that you put on my heart and say nothing else. Lord, uh, you know, we're kind of like people groping along the wall in darkness and we're trying our best to rightly divide the word of truth. So help me today to say the things that it appears it's what you're teaching us as well as the things that are dogmatic and leave you room in between to be God over all those elements. And I just ask for that control of my tongue the idea that I would say anything that wasn't in your word 
or a contrary to your word causes me to tremble in my gut, O oh Lord. And I don't want to do that, but I know this is uncommon and unpopular. So just thank you for the confirmations you gave me this morning um, from outside these walls and this group of people. And I just pray for your will to be done today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. says, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and took wives. And the Lord said, my spirit's not going to strive with men. And there were giants born unto them, Nephilim, the word, uh, Hebrew word Nephal. And they were in the earth in those days. And also after that, there are several, four really, primary views, but I'm going to deal with two that, and I'm going to present them to you. Listen, you're a student of the Word of God. You come to your conclusions. I'm going to tell you what I believe it to say, uh, and by what it, I know what it says, but I mean the application thereof, the explanation thereof. But one tends to reason, and one doesn't make sense. One takes faith to believe, one I could believe in the natural. The Sethite view is that the sons of God were the sons of Seth. My question would be, well, if the sons of God were the sons of Seth, why didn't it just say that the sons of Seth took daughters to be married? In this phrase, the word sons of God use the Hebrew word bain uh, and Elohim, the sons of Elohim. Every time in the Old Testament, now listen to your pastor, every time in the Old Testament that this Hebrew word was used, it refers to angels. Listen to this in Job 1, which almost all commentators agree is the oldest book of the Bible. In Job 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. I read all that to familiarize you. Remember that, you remember the story of, of God testing Job. But it said, There was a day when the sons of God came before the Lord, presented themselves before the Lord. Adam, in one sense, was a bane of Elohim. He was created of God, he was made. He was, he was eternal. He was the creation, he, the first Adam. And that's why Jesus is the last Adam. Everybody else were sons of women. You see, angels were created beings. And this verse, using the word bain, Elohim, sons of God, would mean, if you take the, the scriptural precedent, uh, or, or the scriptural uh, understanding, homiletics, and hermeneutics of, of first mention and primary mention. The sons of God in the Old Testament means angels. There, there, there were no others. There weren't any other biblical example. Listen to this in the end of Job, Job 38, when God has met with Job and Job's already cast his accusation there and God says, where were you when I did this? And where were you in the beginning? Listen, Job 38, 4. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. 
Who hath laid the measures thereof, if you know it, or who stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy. So God is speaking. Not through a prophet, God himself is speaking. And he said, when I made everything out of nothing, where were you? Job, where were you? When the sons of God, there was no man to shout for joy. When the sons of God shouted for joy at seeing the creation, the recreation, the light being, uh, or the land being separated from the seas, from the light uh, being shown in the heavens and on the earth. Where were you, Job, when the sons of God sang out praise to me? Now, I know I've labored here, uh, and I have intentionally and purposefully, because this messes with me to think that angels could come to earth, choose women, and procreate. Producing giants, malformities, men of renown, which means of everlasting. Men of old, everlasting. The Hebrew word is everlasting from, from the beginning of time. Uh, uh, men of renown with history. There's a part of my mind that says, well, well, that just can't be. And then there's a part of me that says, well, wait a minute. Angels in heaven are neither married or given in marriage. Exactly. In heaven. They, they do not need to, nor are they designed to, keep angels going because they're not the creation of man. They're the creation of God. So could an angel, just because they're not married in heaven, doesn't mean that, or does it mean? I'm, I'm going to see if I can confuse everybody. Uh, does it mean that they have that ability? Well, they can take on the form of humans, they eat. So is it a far stretch if one can eat food and have or create or enter dimension? However you do it, can, if, if an angel can process food through a digestive system or without a digestive system, if he doesn't have that, when he eats, where does it go? You know, I, I don't know, but I, I, I know that there are things in the Bible hidden away, and although this has been discussed for hundreds of years, it's not been a popular topic. Could it be that in that day, angels came... Uh, let me go to this verse. This, this might help. Yes, please give me something to help clear this up. Jude chapter 1. Go to Jude chapter 1. But this we know so far. Especially those visiting today, they said, Lord, what have I walked into? I, I'm getting there. Just give me just a minute. Jude chapter 1, verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Watch. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own, left their own habitation... He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, 
going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. It said that these angels left their first estate, left their commission, their residence. And it tells us in the scripture that not only did they leave their first estate, left their own habitation, that those angels have been reserved under chains of darkness. So Satan, when he rebelled, he wanted to be like God. Could it be that these angels, back before the flood and after, according to Genesis 6, took themselves wives unto themselves and created Nephilim, giants being produced? According to this verse, it describes the angels that left their habitation. It describes their pursuit of, this, of these women, earthly women. It describes them. This is just, it's hard to, to, to articulate for me. I'm sorry. If this is true, as we read it, God is comparing what the angels did to Sodom and Gomorrah, men going after men, women going after women, and calls it strange flesh. Something that was not designed for them. It was not God's plan for them. It was not God's purpose. It was not His intention. This angelic intimacy, if it was angelic, which Genesis and the Old Testament teaches us that the sons of God were these angels, it was lustful. In the same way Satan lusted for power, these angels lusted, the Bible said they saw these women and saw that they were fair and lusted after that which was forbidden Angels were created to be ministers to those who are heirs of salvation. And in the same way those in Sodom and Gomorrah changed God's intention and design and focused upon, the Bible says, strange flesh. It compares the Genesis 6 narrative to perversion and uh, the altering of the, 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 the plan and the design of God for people. It was rebellious. It said they left their first estate, their chief place, their rank and time, and they left their own habitation to abandon one's residence, to occupy another. It was telling. I told you that Satan's fall was that he wanted to be like God, and these angels, for whatever reason, were giving in to lustful desires. Because how can you say that, John? Well, Jude tells me it's in the same manner. In the same manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, different, forbidden flesh. The thing of bringing forth the physical evidence, though, the, the, in, in the Bible, let, let me get to something here. I hope this will connect, and please forgive me for It's just a lot. My brain... When I, when I look at the possibilities of this, I want to make sure that I'm, 
by the time I get to the end, I'm not telling you that we know exactly all that Satan is doing, but we can see the sign. We can see the sign in this last hour, okay? The idea of giants in the land. Scripture is crystal clear that there were giants in those days and after. So the days before the flood, there were giants. And the days after the flood, there were giants. Any of you uh, history majors in here? Those of you who studied histories, culturally and uh, internationally, as you look back hundreds of years, every culture existing and those that are extinct, almost every culture, I should say, has in their storylines stories of giants. Not eight foot, nine foot, ten foot, twenty, thirty foot. In the Indian culture, there's carvings, countless carvings and, and stone markings of figures of men with a buffalo under their arm. I, I know this stretches like, I just, I ain't never heard nothing like this in my life. How about a sea opening up and getting out of the way? How about, how about a, a fisherman walking on water? How about a decomposing man coming to life? And if it's muddy now, I pray by the end you'll see this clearly and that you'll, you'll be encouraged that when you see the sign, it's not how bad is it, it's how accurate is the sign that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The Bible speaks of giants of Anak, and Amalek, Rephaim, uh, Goliath of Gath, uh, Og, uh, his, his bed was 19 foot long. What? what? That's a big joker, 19 foot long. Well, that's just, you know, that's the son of Seth. No, no. Sons of Seth, when they marry a woman, do not produce men of everlasting Men of renown. And these cultures from which we get, potentially, Greek mythology of these titans that are in all these different cultures, these stories. Could it be that this was Satan's attempt to contaminate the bloodline from which Messiah would come? Could it be? Um, I will put enmity in the Garden of Eden between her seed and your seed. Whose seed? Satan's. Satan got seed? Says he's going to put it. Well, that just means those that are unbelievers. Well, if that were the case, he could have said those who are unbelievers. But we do know this. That there were giants in the land. And if these giants, if angels, I'm going to kind of go ahead and give part of my closing here. If angels had the capacity to manipulate DNA through sex or through any other means and produce these hybrid giants. That would explain to me, as a believer, why God was always saying, exterminate everything in the city. Every living thing, man, woman, boy, girl, animal, kill everything. And when Saul comes back with Agag 
and he hadn't killed him. And he said, we saved the best to sacrifice to the Lord. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken is the fat of rams. And he hewed King Agag to pieces and they burnt and killed everything. It makes sense to me. Now, again, I'm just telling you, if, if this is it, it makes sense to me why we destroy the world. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was pure in his generation. But women, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How can he be pure? Could it be that his bloodline was clear? Could it be that Satan's animosity and supernatural opposition was trying to stop the bloodline of Jesus Christ? I'm not certain. But my mind can believe past the things that just fit in my little natural world in Macon, Georgia, and that there are eternity and eternity, eons of time before little John Wood came on the scene and eons of time after. And I'm not going to fold my arms and say, I am God's total sum of wisdom on all things angelic and, and, and in the heavens and what's happened before, before Noah. And it said, and afterwards... This much I know for certain that there was and is an intermingling of supernatural, godless, dark forces that wreaked havoc in the world. When I was a young believer, I was, in, and still am, I'm enamored by uh, the supernatural. I don't pursue it, but, uh, you know, when someone was demon-possessed or something, that, ju that just didn't scare me. I mean, I, I was demon-possessed. They didn't scare me. You know, I recognize them. I go, hey, I know you. How you doing in there? I see you, you know. Uh, that kind of stuff, just, uh, I, I would just love to see an angel. I, I would. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Oh, yeah, I would. And I know the, the glory dynamic, an angel's not God. I, I, would, I would be very... My breath would be taken away, but I'd love to peel back and, and, and look in the, the spirit realm and see all that's going on and what is happening. But I could not find in my studies an explanation on what a demon was. Well, it's an angel. No, it's not. Where in the scripture does an angel go inside of somebody? I'm just asking. I hate when people say they're asking I'm just asking. An angel doesn't go inside. An angel can take the form of a person and be so human that you could entertain them unawares. You could take them to dinner and not know, and they could be in your car and be your house, and they can just vanish, and they're there, right? Angels can transpose themselves and present themselves anyway. But where, where, where does a demon, what is a demon? Could it be? That's my theme of today. I ought to title it, Could It Be? Could it be that when these Nephilim, these offspring, died, they were not human, and they were not just angelic, and that's the spirits that roam the earth and are unclean spirits? I don't know. It's not, a demon's not an angel. So did God just create vapors, evil vapors? I don't know. Demons exist. They're real. 
and the believer has the power over them, we can, in Jesus' name, any believer can stand and take authority over a demon in the life of someone and cast them out of the person. No, no drama. You don't need special background music or, or any you know, special anointing. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we don't, we don't uh, fear those things. Just because the Bible tells us that angels do not in heaven marry and are given in marriage doesn't mean that they can't do in the physical. Their, their limitation is just walking and eating and looking like a human. We don't know. The sign for us. All right, this is where I'm heading. If this explanation of Genesis 6, well, first of all, if your explanation was, well, that's just the sons of Seth, and, you know, they made giants. Well, how did Seth make giants? Uh, you know, uh, it, it wasn't the angels. Well, how did that produce Nephilim, eternal beings? It, do, it doesn't make sense. There's too many... Uh, discrepancies that would allow that to happen. But if this explanation of Genesis 6, the Nephilim, the angels which left their first estate and are reserved in chains under darkness, then the, sign, then the sign to us is the attempt or practice of man or angel in altering the image of God in man. Man, God said, let us make man in our own image. If this is the explanation of Genesis chapter 6, and this is why God destroyed the world, the wickedness that comes from man is one thing, but the wickedness of fallen angels and man could have been exponentially great. Could it be that these giants were the ones that brought the advances in intellectual uh, ideas of, of geometry and, and, and construction and the alloys and all those things Around that time frame is when many historians say a lot of the advancements happened. But if this is the intermingling of angels that left their first estate, then the motive is to alter the design and image of God. Let me tell you what I see as a sign today, if that's the definition, if that's the explanation for Genesis 6. The confusion, distortion, and manipulation of genders. Have we lost our collective minds? Well, it's not enough just to say, I'm identifying as. We are injecting into little boys and girls hormones trying to change the binary code of how God designed them. We're pumping estrogen into little boys. We are, we are uh, interacting with flesh in a way that was outside of God's design and pattern that's inappropriate. It's one thing for two men to say they're married and to adopt a child. And then uh, my, my pastor, one of my pastor friends was on the phone with me the other day and said they were doing this, this photo op and a news op and they were doing video of the man. This, this, this is how crazy it's gotten, how demonic it's gotten. He's in a hospital bed with his partner standing beside him holding the baby as if he had the baby in the hospital. We have now changed 
by presidential order, mandate, if you will, the, the word mother to be replaced with birthing person. This same man wears, that I was referring to, yeah, I, I, well, John, you shouldn't talk about that. Somebody needs to say something. So, somebody ought to say something somewhere. This same man lays in bed wearing an artificial breast filled with breast milk from another woman and a pump system while he holds the baby, imitating a woman nursing a baby at a breast that he doesn't have. Okay. My point is, not, it's not the same thing as an angel taking a person and leaving their habitation. But it is the same thing of altering the image of God. It's the altering of the image of God. When you, when you, when you change God's crown work of man from which the Savior came. And you deface him. You devalue him. You redefine him. You limit him. And you make it an issue of choice instead of God's creative work. If this happened in Genesis 6, it is supernaturally happening now in a deception right before our very eyes. Giants are being born of confusion and darkness and, and, and idiosity and insanity and absurdity and perversion. No, 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 that's not just two men that care for each other. That's perverse. It's perverse. Now, I'm not their judge. Let me tell you this. If I cheat on my wife, that's perverse. That's wrong. That's adultery. You, if you're sleeping with someone outside of marriage, that's fornication. And if you're, you know, watching pornography and you're pleasuring yourself at home, that's porneo. It's a sin of the flesh. It's, it's, it's all perverse. And you, you can't look at something and when it, when it sweeps the world when I saw our former president, two back, President Obama, lit up the embassy in Jerusalem with the rainbow. This is where God said, I will establish my name forever. And we lit up our embassy with those colors. The delusion that takes place is not just man-made. It's a satanic intervention and progression. This level of what you're witnessing today in the news and in culture and in society and in the church and among our family and friends is supernatural. It doesn't, we just look at it and go, what is going on? Satan's last ditch effort, watch. To mar the image of God so he can bring in the image of his son, the man of lawlessness. Jesus was born of a virgin. I wonder if Satan's seed, said, I've put enmity between your seed and her seed. Christ coming through Mary. I wonder if Antichrist is going to come through him. I don't know. 
That's the thing I want you to get out of this. Please don't leave saying, John said that, no, I'm saying consider. It can only be one of two things. It can be man or angel. But as hard as it is, I don't want to believe that. I don't, there's nothing about that that makes me, oh, this is great. I don't like it. But it's the, it's the one that tends to reason. The confusion, distortion, and manipulation of genders. Watch this. The recreation and misrepresentation of family. The family unit, the nuclear family, in this generation, it takes a village to raise a baby. Oh, that, I got a plaque that says that. It takes a village. No, it takes parents. Now, some of your villages are crazy. Some of y'all need to defriend some of the folk in your village. Now, do villages have influence? Yes. Is the church like, I, I got that. But no, the family unit is not who you decide to throw together. It's who joins themselves together, a man with a woman. They become one flesh. And they, by the grace of God and that which God put into motion, can recreate a life that they can govern. We are teaching in our educational systems, teaching our four-year-olds and five-year-olds, do not listen to your parents, listen to the state. Turn your parents in if they say these things or they believe these things. This is not just about liberties, and I'm big on liberty. This is about rewriting the importance of family and, and degradating, uh, bringing down in priority the essence and the beauty of God's design of family. The imitation of creation. Like the act of cloning. Now bear with me, we're almost done here. Y'all going to have something to talk about at lunch today. Y'all going to... Uh, and then we can do a question and answer and really have a good time. Uh, it was early... This last century, when man uh, was able to, when we were able to write, rewrite, if you will, bring out the, the genome sequence, the, the DNA sequence. And it was novel back, when was it, 70s or 80s? I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly when. It's way back there when we cloned a sheep, or, you know, now we're cloning parts and we're, we're splicing, uh, making hybrid animals. Uh, not them mating, but we're doing. We're, we're, we are altering the natural design and, if you will, playing God. The goal is to be able to, like the Tower of Babel, accomplish whatever we want to. And since this life is your best life now, don't forget that. This is your best life this, since this is the goal, I'm going to make you see better. I'm going to make you hear better. I'm going to make all of your vital organs better. And if we get to that place where we can clone certain organs from animals, grow them in jars, the point is not, you know, if you had an option and you could take whatever, I don't even know what to call it, y'all. I'm so limited to proteins or whatever and have the eyes of a hawk. What's got good here in a rabbit? A rabbit. They run off. An owl? 
Look how smart y'all are. Okay, be fast as a gazelle. You know, you just put gazelle feet on somebody. I don't know, you know. That's man saying, I can be a better form of myself. I'm not talking about just helping with disease. I'm talking about you can order your baby today. Do you understand that? You can pay for seed from Olympic athletes, and you can pick your hair color, your eye color. You can pick all these uh, traits in the human DNA and order your baby. And this, this cloning could be. This is, conspiracy theory is the word used for anything, anything and everything that challenges a uh, common narrative. And yes, there are conspiracy theories. But this, con con this cloning thing is not just about helping us with disease. It's man saying, listen, what God did, I can do better. I can reproduce. I can make. We can fix. The imitation of the supernatural birth of, of Christ. We also could see the supernatural birth of the man of sin. God had his son. Satan may have his if nothing else, it is plain to see the spiritual giants born of demonic activity today. Brooke, if you'd come, please. I'll take just a few minutes and, and, and try to wrap this up. I challenge you to do researches. And part of the reason I got so... Uh, befuddled. My, my mind was just whirling with, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this. What about this? Because I don't want to ever confuse you, okay? But there's a reason that we get bogged down when we think through anything now. You know, we got 10-second time span, attention spans. But we bog down when we think of anything. Uh, it's because we are, we're being conditioned on fluff information and stuff. God wiped out villages. God, these angels that sinned aren't free to roam the earth today. They're reserved under chains of darkness. So the, the angels that fell with Satan are free. The ones that left their first estate and came into the daughters of men, according to Scripture, are under darkness. There were Nephilim born Nephil, Nephilim born before Noah and after. What is the activity today going on? If this, if this interpretation of the Genesis 6 narrative is true, then the sign of the same sign of as in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, should also be true. And we can see it happening all around us. Perverse distortion, minimizing of God's design and priorities. And if they could make giants in a primitive age, if the hybrid result, what could they do? whether it was sexually 
or just DNA modification, what could they do today with modified mental prowess in evil? I didn't say this to scare you. I didn't say this to preach some new off-the-wall thing. Trust me, this was not my idea of, hey, this would be a great thing to talk about. I've studied it for years, but um, we've never been this close before. The Bible is crystal clear concerning this. Would you stand with me this morning? Whether it was angels or Seth babies that grew up to be 30 feet tall. Our nation, our nation, and you might have to stand just a minute, I forgot to tell you this. Our nation has systematically dismissed, it's a fact, go look it up, you can look it up anywhere, uh, has systematically uh, dismissed and done away with almost all evidence of giants that were found here and globally. They shipped them to the Smithsonian and there's no record anywhere. Those things make me just go, wow. They don't talk about them. We don't talk about, oh, that's just crazy. That's just, that's Photoshop. That's just, well, no. When you tell me it's not hot, it's not hot, it's not hot, it's not hot, it's not hot. It makes me want to go, I think it's hot. Something's going on here. Satan is at work in this last hour. And there is a, a, a demonic, uh, satanic intermingling of ideas, ideologies, personality, power, influence, and it's affecting the people here. That is truth, however the interpretation goes. But this is the final thing I want to share with you. The Bible is crystal clear, whether it's sons of Seth or angels and women that created giants. There will be a destruction of this and every evil that contradicts, opposes, imitates, or perverts the reality of God and His truth as revealed in the Scriptures. God will judge it. God will judge it swiftly. And God will judge it thoroughly. This is not sci-fi and we don't have to get all the answers. I'm just looking for the signs of His coming. And they're here among us. We're living in the days of Noah. We may be heading towards a genetic Armageddon. All I know is this. I'm not appointed under wrath. And we are not looking for the Antichrist. I sure ain't looking for no Nephilim or no fallen angels or Seth. If it's Seth, I'm going to kick him in the shins when I get to heaven. I'm not looking for any of that. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so my motive for preaching on this, whatever... It all means is that you just, I got, I've got to be look. I can't be keeping up with where Caitlyn Jenner went to breakfast. Well, who, who, what do you do on Mother's Day or Father's Day? What do you do? Anyway, you can't do all that. You can't. This was hard today. I hope I didn't cause any confusion, and I'm not being funny here. If anyone is confused or troubled by what I proposed could be, you call me through Facebook. I'll give you my text, my cell number. Uh, there's no trying to preach something new or different. 
I just want us to be prepared. We are in the days of Noah, and Christ is at the door. Okay? Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.